Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter. My all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in Scorned by the ones he came to save Till on that cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Christ, I live. There in the ground, His body lay. Light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. 
I need to go back and share some personal history today to help you understand and give a context and meaning to the scriptures I want to share with you today. I was raised in a very conservative, wonderful, but legalistic home. It was a Seventh-day Adventist home. And at the age of three and four and five, I was weeping over my sin. Coming home from a service, going to my father and saying, I've sinned. How have you sinned, Ray? I looked at the comics on Friday, found in the newspaper, of course. As I grew up, I was told by my father, just try harder to be good, Ray. I tried as hard as I could, and I never pulled it off. I was a mischievous boy, seeming to me that I was always in trouble. But that earnest cry for Jesus stayed with me. I went off to a Christian boarding school at the age of 13, beginning my preparation for ministry. I was kind of the golden boy for the church. When I finished college, I had three offers or something like that for graduate school, full scholarship. I took the one from Pennsylvania, and I began there to minister, to preach, 200 miles of circuit preaching, three churches. I cried out to the Lord. I knew I was not right with him. I knew there was sin in my heart. I didn't know how to get rid of it. I knew it was Christ alone, but I didn't know what to do about it. And I made progress and finally took over the pastorate of a church in Rockville, Maryland, a Seventh-day Adventist church. It grew rapidly under my leadership. And then I heard about a man by the name of Dr. Desmond Ford. He was a Seventh-day Adventist scholar, and he was coming with a message on justification by faith. I wanted to hear that. I said, what better way could I hear it than to host a meeting on a Saturday afternoon in my church and invite Desmond Ford to come and answer questions. He was causing quite a racket in the Adventist church. So that's what I did. Now, I did not do what I should have done, which was seek the counsel of the president of that, or bishop of that conference. Many Seventh-day Adventists, General Conference people showed up at that meeting. They wanted also to hear. The next week, I discovered the trouble I was in, and I was let go as a Seventh-day Adventist pastor because I had hosted this, this man on the question of justification by faith. <laughs> Now, I turned from that to the Presbyterian Church and began to search out their understanding of justification by faith. The Adventist Church has a large 
umbrella over it. And I was invited to Kettering, Ohio, to be an associate pastor at a, a large congregation. But still the struggle was, how do I leave this legalism? How do I, as I spoke with the Presbyterian pastor, said, how do you deal with this? And he gave me the same answer that Desmond Ford had given. What brought all of this back so vividly in my mind, and by the way, I left the Adventist church, I found their doctrines were not biblical, but people tenaciously hold to them because that's their tradition. Things like the investigative judgment, 1844, and many other things are just simply not found in the scriptures. They are a non-biblical church, but they claim that they are the only righteous church. I won't go into a, an analysis of the Seventh-day Adventist Church today except to say to you their church is based on non-scripture. But they will say, oh no, we're, we're the people of the word. We know we're chosen. We're right. No, they're not right. That's foolishness. I soon found many doctrines that simply could not be supported from the Word of God. If you're a Seventh-day Adventist, I apologize. I'm not trying to tell you to leave the Adventist church. But if you want the truth, you'll have to leave it. Because they are filled with foolishness. And legalism. They don't understand the true gospel of Jesus. Now, let me tell you what triggered all of this again for me. And then as I've been praying through this, the Lord said, go back to Romans 6 and make it plain to the people before the year turns to 2024. Because they're going to need to understand this if they're going to survive in the year 2024. So come journey with me. I think you'll find it interesting. What I find in the church today is the same foolishness of the Seventh-day Adventist church. Taking scriptures, not taking them literally, but taking them symbolically, but not really not really taking them. I sat and listened as Dr. Desmond Ford went through Romans 6. And it was interesting to me where he started. He started in verse 3. Now, he should have started at verse 1. But he started at verse 3 says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, never mind what that means, and I'll come back to that. But he said, Jesus died on Calvary and finished the work of righteousness for you and for me, justifying us freely by his blood. So he said, we were baptized into Christ Jesus. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we certainly also will be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him 
so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And his position is that we have all been freed from sin. That when Jesus died on Calvary, you died with him. And if you died with him on Calvary, then he said, you must consider yourself as saved on your way to heaven. Now, I find many people hold to this position. I have spoken with many in this state and outside of the state of Virginia, where I'm located, and they all hold to the same position across the board. And that is that Jesus finished the work at the cross and that we're all saved. If you confess that Jesus is your Christ, you're saved. You enter into Jesus. And he said the great tragedy of the church today is when we find people who don't know if they're saved or not. He said you must know that you're saved, that you have absolute assurance of your salvation. Verse 9, for we know that Christ, that since Christ was raised from the dead, we cannot die again. Death no longer has a mastery over him or over us. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So his position is, everything that Jesus did at the cross, we've also done by confession of his name, by believing in him. So the finished work crowd believe that everything that Jesus did at the cross now becomes mine. I belong to him. Now, this song that we opened the broadcast with, In Christ Alone, it's a very tricky song. It can be taken that I'm saved in Christ alone. And it's true, I am saved in Christ alone. But not in the way most people take it today. And what desperately concerns me is I meet almost every person. And if I begin to dialogue with them, I say, are you saved? Absolutely, I'm saved. I belong to Jesus. Are you still walking in sin? Oh, yes, we all walk in sin. So what kind of sin are you walking in? My girlfriend and I have sex. I know we shouldn't, but that's covered in Jesus. Well, what else? Well, I love the movies. Particularly, the guys say, the action movies. And... You yell at your wife? You yell at your girlfriend? Oh, yeah. We all do. You fight? Yeah, we all, of course we fight. We love each other. But we fight with each other. Well, what about money? Well, what about it? Does it belong to you or does it belong to Jesus? Oh, it belongs to me. I give him offerings. I even, some will say, I tithe. No, my money is my money. I spend it the way I need to. I work hard for that money. And on and on they go, talking about their life. 
some more legalistically than others talk about what belongs to Jesus belongs to me. Is that true? Are there conditions for you to belong to Jesus? Yes. Dr. Ford outlined what it means to be justified by faith. And when I'm justified by faith, I have, he said, peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That through Jesus, we've all gained access by faith into this grace. And that grace covers over our sins. And if we have done that, then we're all going to heaven. We're all saved. Is that true? You know, I I come back and I look at Romans 6 and I have trouble. This this Jesus did it all on the cross. And it all belongs to me. Even if I continue walking in sin and rebellion against Jesus, he understands. Let's see, chapter 6, let's begin with verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And they answer, it doesn't matter. But Paul says, by no means. And see, this is what stumbled me. I'd read these scriptures, and they didn't match what I was being told by by the men who were saying, Jesus did it all at the cross. Well, he didn't do me at the cross. I still sinned. It says, we died to sin. And kind doctor said, Jesus died to sin. He bore all of our sins at the cross. So I'm good to go. But then it says, how can we live in the sin any longer? You mean there has to be a coming out of the sin to be saved? So that means that something has to happen now in my life. Or don't you know, verse 3, that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Oh, wait a minute. Is that figurative? Or is that spiritually literal? Am I to be baptized into Jesus' death? Am I to die? Remember Jesus said, beginning in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And where was he going? He was going to Golgotha. He was going to be crucified. Now he's saying, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And Paul is saying, you have to be crucified. That it's not figurative. It's literal. Now, he's let me... Say what's on my heart. I don't want to die and go to hell. Do you? Do you want to die and go to hell? I don't want to die and go to hell. 
I want to live with Jesus in heaven. So when people come along and they say to me, Jesus was crucified, but you don't need to be crucified. In fact, Jesus did it all at the cross. And all you have to say is, thank you, Jesus. Now, you're going to go on sinning against him? No, you're not. That's an aberration. It's a lie. And as I've tried to share this with people, they've said, wait a minute, Pastor. I'm saved. Well, how do you know you're saved? Because I was baptized. I was crucified with Christ. But what's that mean? Did you die? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Well, what if you're not living a new life? I wasn't. I wasn't living a new life. I was still, well, I won't tell you all my sins, but they were pretty bad. There was still bitterness in my heart. There was still hatred in my heart. I still was sinning against God. I wanted my own way. I wanted what I wanted. I wanted that new car, and so I bought it. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted. I was in charge of my life. But it says here, you live, you live a new life where you're not in charge of your life anymore. If you've been united with him like this in his death, we certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. You mean sexual lust has been done away with? You're a new person? Yes, that's what it says. Now, does it mean what it says? Or shall we say, oh, I have everything Christ had. And he had the victory over all sexual issues. Therefore, even though I don't have, I do have success over all sexual issues. Oh, yes, I'm still, I'm still fighting about it. I'm still going to pornography. I'm still, is that what's happening? But you're saved? But there's still bitterness in your heart? You're still the old man before all of this, and you're fighting now trying to put down the old man? And you're exhausted trying to put down all of the old man in your heart? Is that what's going on in you? I'm very troubled by all of this. Because all I've wanted all of my life is to be right with Jesus. To be at peace with Jesus. But I was not at peace. I was still living the same old, same old kind of life. Oh, it was cleaned up a little bit. But it was still the same old, same old. And I was trying as hard as I could and finally just said, look, I'm not going to try hard anymore. I'll do my best. But bottom line, God will accept me the way I am. No, he won't. No, he won't. I was talking to my wife this morning about this. She said, people don't need to pray. 
because we're covered by the blood of Jesus. We're saved. We're good to go to heaven. We'll abide with Christ forever. Well, when when are you going to become righteous? When are you going to be transformed into that into that new creature? Where it's no longer if I can find this quickly. Here it is, Hebrews the ninth chapter. I'm not a Greek scholar, please. I've had quite a few hours of Greek study, but that didn't make me a Greek scholar. I'm going to begin in Hebrews 9, verse 26. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to do away, that is, to remove to remove, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself, just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away, that is to remove, not symbolically, but in reality, to remove the sins of many people. Has he removed your sin? In, in reality? Or do you still have your sin? And you've tried and you've tried and you've tried, but you've not been able to dump it. You're still fighting with your wife over when you can have sex. You're still fighting with your children. You're still demanding your way. Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time not to bear sins, not to carry sins, not to lift sins up off of you, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This is Hebrews 9. Look at it. That's the NIV. That Jesus is is going to come again. But this time, it's not to lift the sin off your life. He's coming for those who have already had that experience in Jesus. Jesus was very clear in the Gospels. That if you want, you have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross and follow him to Golgotha. And there you have to be crucified with him. And the sin life is over. You are created into a new being. It's over. Do you have that experience in your life? I can't come to you and and preach a wonderful message of you're accepted by Jesus completely. Because Jesus was righteous, you are now righteous. Doesn't work. It's not true. What is true is that Jesus now has the right because he was the sacrifice. He has the right. He paid for your sin. He can take it away from you so that you're no longer troubled by it. Now, but now 
a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. All who believe. There's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption came by Christ alone. It's astonishing. It's it's Christ, it's chapter 3, coming in awesome power to literally justify you. And the word to justify literally means in the Old English to make righteous. It takes, though, serious prayer and submission to God. It's not a quick process. It may take you several weeks or a month. It may take you time. Or you finally understand and realize Christ wants your life. He wants you. All of you. Count yourselves dead to sin. Count yourselves. Inventory yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness rather than yourself to God, as those who have been brought from death to life. The sin shall not be your master. You're not under the law, you're under grace. I want to come back. If you have been united, verse 5, with him like this, in his death, we certainly also shall be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. There is a a word in the Greek meaning to suppress sin. Put it down. It's not the word used here. The NIV translates it might be done away with or made powerless. But again, that's not the Greek word that's used here. The Greek word that's used is to destroy, to utterly annihilate, so that it no longer exists in you. In other words, the old self, that man said to me just a couple weeks ago, I'm always going to be fighting with my old man, my natural self. I'm always going to be fighting. No, you're not. Not if you've been crucified with Christ. You're washed. You're made clean. You're done with it. I mean, do you drag around with you a corpse? I don't. I was set free. I was transformed. I'm a new creature. I don't have the same desires. I don't have the same goals. I'm a different person. Now my heart is to serve Jesus. 
not to serve the darkness of my own heart. And any of you who will be honest with me who are not filled with Jesus Christ will have to admit there is a darkness in your soul that calls after you to walk in wickedness, in fornication, in bitterness, in anger, in stealing, lying, cheating, gossiping. But if you've been crucified with Christ, if you literally have been crucified, and that's what it's saying, this is not some kind of magic. Jesus is crucified, and now because he's crucified, you're crucified with him. Wrong. Doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You also have to be crucified. Now, people say, oh, Jesus did it all for me at the cross. No, he didn't. He didn't crucify you at the cross. He made available to you his crucifixion so that you now can be crucified with him in reality and transformed and made into a new creature. This is the terrible news. Our churches today are filled with pagan people who have never crucified themselves with Christ. Their passions are still flaming. Their old man is still blasting away. They're doing the best they can do. And one man said to me, Jesus is just going to have to accept me as I am because I can't be any better. I've done my best. Wrong. Not true. You've got to be transformed by the power of the blood of Jesus. It is Christ alone who can give you that new life. There is no addiction that can stand up against the blood of Jesus Christ. But you have to understand that you have to die to that addiction. You have to die to that sin. If you don't die to it, you'll always live in it. You must become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And if there are areas where you are still troubled, you must take that to Jesus and give it to him. Confess it and ask that it be utterly cast out of your life out of your heart, out of your mind. You must be set free by the blood of Jesus. Am I justified by faith today? Yes, I am. He's made me a holy man. He'll make you a holy woman or a holy man or a holy boy or girl. It's not by hard work. It's not by legalistic I'll do this and I'll do that and it's hard. And one man said to me, it's so hard to follow Jesus. Yes, it's hard to follow Jesus if you're still living in your wicked sin. It gets easy to follow Jesus when you just give it all to him. When it belongs, your life belongs to Jesus. You don't want it. It it was given away and now you ask, to be made into a new creature. He wants to do that for you. Well, we're out of time for today. I pray you've gotten this message. I may broadcast it a couple more times this week. I want you to catch this. And I'm sorry, I I feel strong inability to do the job I need to do. I am totally dependent upon Jesus. I can't do it. Every part of my life, I've now given to Jesus. I want you to do that too. Would you do that right now? You pray with me. Lord Jesus, 
I'm asking that every person who's listening to this broadcast will make an honest decision to be crucified with you, Jesus, and will give up their own life of wickedness. That they will say, there's an empty hole in me that must be filled. And you're telling me, Pastor, that only Jesus can fill that empty hole. Lord, I ask that you would come and minister to each. Each person who's in the valley of decision. Lord, give us the courage to give up our lives to you, Jesus. And I'm asking that in this new birth process, the Spirit of God would come in power and would give us a new heart, a new life, a total change. Lord, thank you. I know this is a miracle of yours, Jesus. I know it's not something I can do, but I believe it is what you do in me and what you do for me that makes all the difference. So you died for me on Calvary, but now you come and finish that work that you started in me. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, now I I lift up those who are sick today, those who are despondent or discouraged, those who have not yet entered in in the fullness of who you are, Jesus. I'm broken in body. My leg is broken now eight months. But Jesus, my eyes are upon you, and I know you will carry me all the way through, through the pain, through the brokenness. And Lord, some are broken in spirit, and I know you'll carry them through. Some are broken in their sin. And I know you'll forgive them for their sin and remove that sin now from their heart and from that life, that they don't go back to it and keep doing it. I'm asking for an utter transformation by the power of the Spirit. Would you come and meet every person who's listening to this broadcast today? Lord, we need to be made into new people so that we can say boldly, It's what Christ did at the cross. And then it's how he applied that blood to me. It's how he came and moved in my heart. How he cleansed me. How he finished the work. Lord, it's not. It's not finished at the cross until it's finished in my life. Asking, Lord the work of Jesus now, that as he ministers from the tabernacle in heaven, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would he finish that work in us? Lord Jesus, would you cause him to finish that work in us, that Holy Spirit work? And then would you come, like you did at Pentecost, Would you fill us with your presence? Would you fill us with the power of your spirit? Lord, it's not finished at the cross. Not until it's applied to my life and to my brothers' and sisters' lives. And I thank you, Jesus, you have applied this to my life. And now I'm asking for the full application of your Holy Spirit with a flame of fire, the power of your spirit, the miracles and the and the demonstrations of your love. Let it be done now in my heart, in my body. 
and in those who are listening now to this broadcast. And Lord, some have listened. They don't believe anything I've said. I ask in your love and your compassion and your mercy, would you come and make it plain to them that they could see and understand that you would open their eyes, that you would take away their blindness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. We need you, Lord. I need you every hour. I need you every moment. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I hope this message has been helpful. I've tried as humbly as I can to lay out my own struggle with this question of salvation and righteousness and justification. The joy of the Lord is here for you. But you're going to have to struggle with this question in your own life. And he will answer. He will answer. So I pray God's blessing for you today. I love you with all of my heart. As we finish up this year, I want to thank each of you who has given this year. You've kept us on the air. I have no pride in that. It's not me. It was you and Jesus. Thank you. Now, Lord, I pray your blessing upon each who has listened to this broadcast. I pray that you will bless them. That you will turn their hearts from all wickedness, all bitterness, all anger. That you will fill them now with the gospel message of salvation that is free for every man and woman, but must be applied now out of Calvary's tree. Thank you, Lord. Pray in your holy name. Would you share this message today with a friend, family member? I think we're all struggling with how do we get to heaven? Are we saved? And I can tell you, if you've not struggled with this question and arrived at the answer, you're not saved yet. You're lost. You're not saved because you say you are. You're saved because Jesus says you are. I love you, my brother, my sister. I come in tenderness of heart. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.